Hello, this is Jim Brown speaking. In just a moment, we're going to hear Mark Hassel describe his experience of sailing his trimaran through a tropical cyclone. This makes really unique listening because as far as we know, nothing like it has ever come out of the cabin of a small boat. It was recorded during a hurricane. This occurred while he was on his passage from Fiji to New Zealand in November 1971. His crew is his wife, Bonnie, and his 13-year-old son, David. His boat is a 37-foot sea runner, which he built himself. Now, by offering this tape for general listening, we're not offering the absurd notion that if you've got a sea runner, you're safe in a hurricane. But we are offering the notion that there's something truly remarkable about the nature of this man, Mark Hassel. It may also be that there is something remarkable about the combination of this man and this boat. We'll leave that to the listener. For myself, I've listened to the tape many times. I can hear more in it now than the first time I heard it. So at the end of Mark's description, I'm going to offer a few comments of my own to analyze some heavy weather handling tactics for trimarans. I think that some important conclusions can be gained from the information on the tape. But these academic reflections are less important and less interesting to us than the emotional aspects, at least at the outset. There's more than storms in this tape. There's a lot of beauty in it, because there's a lot more to cruising than storms, and he gets into it all. It's all here. His story builds slowly, but it leads to a rather heavy conclusion. So make yourself comfortable, and I hope you enjoy hearing what it's like to make a very beautiful ocean passage that just happened to include a hurricane. Got it on board, and off we went. And uh, right now, we're, I can just see Fiji behind us. It's turning into horizon. We've been cruising along real nicely here uh, since we left Potoka. We've come some 35 miles and uh, had the Jenny up with the jib and the main. I just now took down the Jenny. Seas are pretty good size. Uh, every now and then, a little bit of white water flops on the side deck. Uh, they're 8 to 10 foot seas, I guess white caps around. We're taking them on a very broad reach, and so it's a fairly pleasant point of sail. And we're scooting right along. It's a beautiful day out, just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, Bonnie's taking a nap, and uh, David's out in the cockpit, drinking up the sunshine. So we'll kind of uh, follow on with this tape and uh, see if you can't join us on our trip from Fiji to New Zealand. <clears throat> well, we've had a lot of variables. Uh, through last night, I managed to sleep most of the night. Uh, wind died out, and uh, it's changed around from west to southwest, and died again, and picks up a little bit, and down it goes again. Been adjusting Tilly every now and then. I didn't have to make many adjustments last night, and we weren't moving that fast. If we did go the wrong way for a while, we'll never know it. It's uh, David's and my birthday today, so we're having a little birthday get-together. Uh, I wish you could all join us. Uh, we got some French pancakes coming up. Bonnie's the chef back there now, and, and, uh, and David says that we should invite somebody. He's, the only one we can think of is Davy Jones. He may come up out of his locker and join us or something for the day. Uh, so we got, oh, good-looking French pancakes coming up. 
Smells good. Boy, I'm pulling rank on you. You're not getting 39 slaps on me. We're going to exchange because you were born on my birthday. You're getting 39 and I'm getting 13. So you start the slapping and I'm going to finish it. There's a school of mahi-mahi swimming around us. And the colors you can't believe. And uh, one jumped a minute ago with a big flat blunt face. But the fluorescent colors of chartreuse and blue and pink and just yellow and almost every color you can imagine. Quite a trip because we've seen the uh, wind go around the compass about, what, three, three times? At least three times. And I mean that's going all the way around the compass. And so it requires a few sail changes to try and keep up with it. At the two, five hours, 33 minutes, Greenwich Mean Time. At the phone, five hours, 33 minutes, Greenwich Mean Time. Well, good morning. Hey, this is the morning of the 20... What are we, the 23rd? It's really raining. Uh, we've got just the main up. We're catching some water right now. We've got some for rinsing our clothes. Uh, we just catch it below the the clue or the uh, tack of the main. Runs down the slot in the boom. We hooked up the funnel and got the hose running back to the tank, so we'll have our tank all topped off. And it's really been pouring. I dropped the Jenny. It's laying on the deck, and the mule's laying on the deck, and we're doing about six knots straight downwind with the main up alone. There's uh, some lightning around and so forth, but we still have wind. We've been carrying the wind all night, and uh, we picked up a pretty decent wind yesterday about noon, and we've had wind through the whole night with the Jenny and the main up, and been logging all around eight knots. I think we got a hundred and... 35 since about noon yesterday uh, so we're and it's 7 o'clock in the morning now so we're not doing too badly uh, there's so much water in the cockpit the cushions have floated right off the seats well the wind just went from the south to the east <coughs> to the northeast a little stronger now it's pouring rain <coughs> and the wind's blowing from the north and now shifting slightly to the northwest. Put out double headsails, changed, put them over on the other side. We're still heading south, heading south toward New Zealand. I don't know if you can hear the thunder back there, but uh, man, it's letting at it. Oh, there was a streak of lightning right smack across the sky and hit the water. Ooh, another one, a sheep. Sea at the present time. 
I guess it's mostly just a lightning storm. A little bit of thunder thrown in on the side. Well, hello again. It's about two hours later, and it's really coming down. It's pitch black dark. Bonnie's asleep. David's up forward asleep. All the hatch doors are in. Sails are down. <clears throat> and the water is coming out of the sky in buckets. The ocean looked like a lake most of yesterday. I mean, it was really flat. But uh, this morning there's a slight ripple and little caps behind us. Sun shining brightly and the air's crisp and cool, which is quite a change for us. We've had two years of hot weather, and we're wearing a sweater right now and socks on our feet, and it's all a little strange and different. It was a beautiful sunrise this morning. The sun's up, and there's a few very thin scattered clouds. <clears throat> the sea's just absolutely beautiful, and uh, the wind's a little breeze over our shoulders, filling up the jenny and the jib and the main. And downwind we're going, headed for New Zealand. Got about 796 miles on the sum log, so that leaves us 300 to go or so. We uh, went an extra 100, so that'll make the trip around 1,150 miles. Uh, this is the kind of morning that makes sailing really, really worthwhile. It makes you think back and forget those days of beating into rough weather and all of that. You go sort of careening down the gentle slopes with the wind behind you. So we're looking forward to seeing New Zealand now, and it, it looks like it's a possibility at the present time. Sometimes you sit out here and you think, my golly, the old square riggers used to sit for two and three weeks. But of course, we move a lot easier than they do, and we just need a bit of a breeze to scoot along. And we've got that now from the stern. By the way, it's also uh, Thanksgiving morning, I believe. Thursday morning. For you people, it's... Uh, it's hardly Thursday yet, it's still Wednesday. But uh, we reach the morning, of course, first, being just this side of the date line. And uh, so we were probably the first Americans to wake up to the Thanksgiving morning this morning. About 3.30, had a cup of coffee, and set our sails, and we're off on our way again. It's always quite a thrill uh, to get going after you've been stalled for some time. And uh, it's the part that really makes sailing something special because every day is different. Uh, the sea never looks the same twice. I don't think I've ever seen it the same. Oh, we had a big bird. I don't know if it was a tern or a goonie bird. It was a big bird, though. Flew around us yesterday a little bit. And uh, what a gorgeous thing. Looked like a four or five foot wingspan at least, and just glide over the top of the water and touch the wave crests, continue on. <clears throat> well, hello. It's just about midnight, and the wind's uh, howling over the stern. I had the Jenny and the uh, the Jenny out on the whisker pole, and the main up, and. Uh, it was getting wild. We were beating out the figure S's pretty wildly down the face of these slopes. Some log was hitting up to about 14 knots. And uh, 
the sheet line is uh, what half inch Samson yacht braid and uh, it probably wasn't much bigger than quarter inch uh, the pole was putting quite a bit of pressure on the mast and uh, I got a little bit worried in other words the boat probably could have taken it and they say I've heard it said you can fly as much sail as you want downwind with these things they just go faster well that seems to be true to a point but I couldn't take it so uh, got a little nervous and said all right let's douse that Jenny so down came the Jenny well we've slowed down a little bit now we're back to our nine and ten knots which is a much more comfortable speed although for you people uh, that are new to this and I always feel that I'm new to it every sail is a new sail but uh, 10 knots is moving right along across the surface of the water. The wind's blowing its tune through the rigging and uh, even downwind. And the white caps and the, what do they call them, gray beards are cresting on each side and we're just surfing on down one wave, slow down a little bit, pick up the next one, up goes the stern and down we surf again. Uh, it's quite an experience and it's like a new experience every time. I've been doing this for two years now off and on and I seem to forget what it's like. And I have to evaluate the experience each and every time. Uh, the sky's overcast and we got a good breeze blowing. Yes, it's probably 25 knots maybe. And uh, we didn't need the Jenny. That was my conclusion anyway. Uh, we'd been racing, all right, get a bunch of strong guys that aren't afraid of busting something and uh, put it up there and see what you can knock off. But for our kind of sailing, which is a easy-going cruising, Bonnie and David are both asleep, and uh, this is all we need. Uh, she's doing very well under Maine alone. I thought maybe she'd broach a little bit. Uh, but... Uh, Dead downwind, main alone seems to be just fine. The main looks real secure up there. I've got the boom quite a way out, and I've got it tied down to the side deck. And uh, it's, oh, it's up against the spreaders, but it doesn't look like it's putting on that much pressure. And uh, we're moving, moving along nicely. So I just thought I'd check in with you here in the middle of the night and uh, let you know what was going on. I'm going downwind now for some... Oh, better than 12 hours, or just about 12, no, almost 24 hours, sorry. And uh, weather forecast from New Zealand looked like uh, we may just be able to ride this one all the way in. We're hoping so. So we're ticking off the mileage. Got a couple hundred miles left, a little bit more. And if we tick it off the way we're going now, uh, it won't be too long. We'll be saying so long and... See you next trip. Well, just saw 14 knots under Maine alone. Uh, looks if the wind keeps increasing, we're going to have to uh, do something about reducing the size of the main. That won't be too easy a job the way it's glued up against the spreaders. Well, the time came, so I just struggled with it. My, you know, I thank God I've got Tilly. Because if I had to steer this boat and do all the other things, too, I'd have my hands full. 
But I put the old crank on the roller reefing gear. I don't know, maybe you can hear the surf out there. <coughs> it's in uh, rows on both sides, on the stern. Boats, uh, decks are dry, boats sailing along nicely. Uh, but I was able to, uh, as I was going to say, roller reef the main down. I used the topping lift and just sort of slid it down along the spreaders without changing course which was kind of nice. I'm looking around now. It's pitch dark. I've got a little uh, masthead light. The seas uh, look pretty big. Uh, they're getting a little bigger all the time. You can see the uh, white water in front of us as they roll by. So we're not going that fast. We're only doing about 10 knots right now. And, uh, oh, eight, 8 to 10. I've got the, the main reef down to number 17. And uh, the waves are breaking on each side of us, so there's a big comber behind us. But uh, I, I feel things are under control at the present time. It's 3.30, and uh, the wind's picking up a little bit, uh, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, I've reduced the main down to, well, I said the number 17. Well, I've left that much up. Uh, we're surfing at speeds up to 15 knots. Yes, disgusting to 35, maybe 40 on occasion. Uh, just check the barometer, and uh, barometer's dropped another little bit. A uh, little bit, about a half an inch on our scale. I don't know how that comes out on the barometer. I can't read those silly things. Well, the wind seems to be picking up a little bit more. I just reefed her down a little bit more and took the runner... Uh, the backstay runner uh, took it off and uh, got it out from behind the sail and weaved it over the boom and put it in place uh, just so we a little more security on the mast. Well, <laughs> I'm just turning the radio down there and uh, it's fairly exciting. It's uh, daylight. And uh, the clouds are moving fast across the sky. Look like they're doing 40 or 50 miles an hour. Probably are. I've got uh, the main reef clear down <coughs> to where the number 17 is uh, rolled up even. All you can see is the little manta. And uh, that's all that's up. We're logging 10 knots. The seas are big. Uh, they're breaking around us. Oh, Jesus Christ. Shh. There went half the stuff in the kitchen. Excuse me. Uh, the boat swings into him every now and then, although Tilly's really doing a pretty good job. Uh, I may want to find that I want to put the helm on and steer it myself, although I don't know that I can do any better. Uh, I have the drogue ready, and I may try using it here shortly. Uh, the barometer's dropped some more. And uh, things look a little, uh, ah, the boat's taking it better than we are. <clears throat> well, we're getting used to it. We turned on the weather forecast, and uh, they said a, uh, a low depression area is rapidly moving across North Island to the southeast. Well, we'll go along with that. Uh, Bonnie's fixing some cocoa. Things are still flopping around in the galley. And... Uh, 
David's kind of enjoying it, I think. He's out there with his cap on and his big, thick jacket and the sprays sailing downwind with the boat. And uh, he's just kind of keeping an eye on things. I'm sitting down here on the settee by the recorder where I can see him. I was thinking I'm a little too tired to hook up the helm and steer it. We could make some more better time, I think, if I pulled in the warp and steered it and surfed down these things. But we're surfing down them anyway. And Tilly's doing a good job, so we'll ride her out, see how things go. Uh, wind's blowing 40 knots, so it's increasing. Uh, the seas are pretty big now, 25 foot probably, or maybe better at times. I just threw out a 200-foot warp, and I got it doubled over from the transom of the main hull round to the uh, winch, so that it's <coughs> pulling double. I uh, just saw 13 knots on the sun log just after we got the warp out, and it's almost no sail up. Uh, I'm glad the wind's going in the direction we wish to go in, and we've still got uh, plenty of room before land. Things should settle up before we get to land. Got another, oh hell, we got 150 miles to go anyway. So we're making it. Things have got worse instead of better. Uh, it's raining, uh, just, just had a rainstorm and the wind increased considerably. So we put out the tire and the chain and the two drogue lines and also have the other drogue out. So we're trailing two warps. I've still got the small bit of sail up, but I seem to want to keep heading in the right direction and uh, keep ahead of them. I don't like getting broadside to the stuff. I take down the sails. Uh, I don't think we'll move out as well. So I just got that little bit of main up. Seems to be going all right now. missed part of that report. All the uh, wires are out in uh, Curry Curry and uh, the telephone's out. They uh, said they had winds up to 80 miles an hour in Auckland this morning. Uh, we can believe it. Well, you won't believe it. The wind's still increasing. <laughs> yeah, it's almost getting to be a joke. I just took down all the sails, still have the drogues out, and we've pretty much uh, ceased our forward motion. Seems like maybe it's the safest position to stay in at the present time. They were calling us, huh? Oh, okay. Well, we've been learning here. We uh, took down the main and hove to with the drogues out. But uh, for about five minutes, that was about all we could take, which was my theory, although I hadn't put it into practice before. Uh, we laid broadside to the big waves, and then they started crashing on deck. So we got out the, the little storm jib, and I put it on the force stay. And uh, the wind's turning. It's coming more from the west now. And so we're sort of on a broad reach with the jib on the force stay till he's taken over again. The drogue and the tire are still out, and we're moving along again now. Motion's a lot better. Just caught the uh, recent uh, North Island news, which is about 150 miles away from us. 
and this is the worst hurricane that they've had since 1954. They had a tornado hit Hamilton, <coughs> and uh, I guess the seashore has been really rugged. Well, we know it. Uh, <laughs> we're in the middle of it right now. Things don't seem to be getting much better. Oh well, check in with you again. Occasional waves are breaking into the cockpit now. Winds turned to the coming from the west. Picked up quite a bit of force. Uh, things really rocking around. Hope it breaks. Well, hello again. It's uh, 5:30 in the evening, and uh, there's. Looks like 24 more hours. Uh, there's a gale force winds coming up from the southwest. Right now we're receiving them from the west. We've hove to. I've still got the drogues out. And we've taken down all the sails. Motion's pretty bad. And the waves are pretty big. But I think she'll stay on her feet. If she will, we'll be all right. So we'll ride it out here tonight. Check with you again later. So things are looking much better here this morning. It's a little rough. The seas are still big. And uh, there's a west wind blowing. They're expecting, uh, according to the radio, a southwest wind, which will make it a little rougher on us. And they say it'll be a strong southwest wind. So we may, we may not have seen the last of it yet, but we're hoping so. <clears throat> Remembrances of heading up the coast. Close hauled now with a jib up and a reef main, and uh, we hung, we hove to all night while the big ones came combing on by, and we stayed right side up. I had my doubts for a while. Uh, they were big waves. <clears throat> Finally, I hove to uh, and took down the sails for the night. When things quieted down a little bit, we ran for quite a while. But it seemed that she'd stay on her feet, hove too, so we hove too. And this morning, the barometer's gone up so far, I've never seen such a jump. Hello again. We're uh, sailing right along. It's a beautiful day out, and uh, the Jenny's up full, mains full, and the porpoise are jumping off the bows, leading us for New Zealand. Uh, we should see the lights tonight. Oh, that's a big one there. Beautiful. Oh, two of them right off of the of the port float, and crisscrossing back and forth and leaping out of the water, and just uh, water's glistening. The sun's. It's about five o'clock in the evening. Twenty. Twenty-eight. Uh, so we should uh, we should be there tomorrow, and uh, the weather's. Bad weather's gone by. So, uh, that's about it. It's been a beautiful trip, and, uh, I guess it's coming to its finish. So I don't know what our plans will be from here. Uh, be fun to get into town and buy some food. We've got a little rice left, and that's about it. So, uh, we'll be saying goodbye, and get this tape off to you in the mail here this afternoon.
so so long. Well, they made it through a hurricane. And I guess because such storms die slowly, it wasn't clear to them exactly when they had made it. But the feeling of accomplishment and confidence in one's boat and in oneself must certainly be there after an experience like that. We can go on with uh, analysis of heavy weather handling tactics now for trimarans if you wish. But the nice thing about these tapes is you can turn them off when you want to and take a breather, maybe not even to come back. I'm giving you that opportunity right now. Thank you. Mark's a good friend of mine. I've known him for a long time. He's had two trimarans before, and this one he sailed some 15,000 miles before he encountered conditions that really pressed him like that. The conditions were measured at 70 knots of wind, sustained wind velocity, and 30-foot seas at the port in New Zealand where he finally fetched up, which was Wangarei. And to sail in stuff like that requires control, directional control. I think that's the central message that he has to teach us. Keep the boat going in the direction you want it to go. Maybe the listener noticed that there were many references on the tape to Tilly, which was his fourth crew member, his self-steering device. And it seems incredible to me that nowhere on the tape is there any mention of any human being steering the boat. From my own experience, especially monohull experience, fighting to save the boat means fighting on the helm, one or two men on the helm all the time. A lot has been published to indicate that self-steering is no good most of the time. And I think that's probably true. At least in most boats, self-steering is no good much of the time. It's very hard to get it to work in the extremes of conditions, very light airs or very strong winds, and especially downwind or broad reaching. But on the tape we hear that before the storm really hit, Mark was running hard under full sail, the Genoa up on a pole and the mainsail, and the crew were in their bunks. And he was talking on a tape recorder about how the boat was reluctant to self-steer because of the rising gale and because it had too much sail on her. Remember this part. Well, hello. It's just about midnight, and the wind's uh, howling over the stern. I had the Jenny and the uh, the Jenny out on the whisker pole, and the main up, and uh, it was getting wild. We were beating out the figure S's pretty wildly down the face of these slopes. I really like his reference there to knocking out the figure S's pretty wildly down the face of those slopes. And you can just see a, a long, snaky white wake inscribed on the face of those moving hills of water. But then he talks of reefing difficulties. In reducing sail area, he had simply removed the headsails as the wind increased. His boat is rigged as a cutter, and he has two headsails, and he simply dropped them and continued under the mainsail alone. Now, that's a very simple approach, but any sailor knows that you get better steering in a blow downwind if you're being pulled along by the headsail instead of pushed along by the mainsail. But in his case, the boat was apparently stable enough, directionally speaking, and his self-steering vane was efficient enough to, for him to just let her rip with just the mainsail. He described it like this. Well, just saw 14 knots under main alone. Uh, looks if the wind keeps increasing, we're going to have to... Uh do something about reducing the size of the main. That won't be too easy a job the way it's glued up against the spreaders. 
As an aside here, let me mention that it seems to me that he's beginning to use his tape recorder in a very unusual way. He's using it as sort of an inanimate sponge to absorb strong feelings, feelings which are perhaps too strong for him to hold back, but perhaps too threatening to express directly to the crew. I recommend that anyone making an ocean crossing or passage take a tape recorder along with them, because when it, when it gets heavy, you can pull out this funny machine and lay down an idea Everyone in the crew can hear, but you're not directing it at anyone. And how better can you record what it's really like than on a tape? I just threw out a 200-foot warp, and I got it doubled over from the transom of the main hull round to the uh, winch, so that it's <coughs> pulling double. I uh, just saw 13 knots on the sum log just after we got the warp out. If it sounds to you there like maybe his voice is trembling, maybe you're right. But as they got used to it, they continued to drive the boat with a reserve and a calmness, a deliberateness that I really find extraordinary. And I don't think that he could have done that without his self-steering vein. It kept him warm and dry and rested. And it even allowed him to make a tape recording. He holds that thing with very high regard. Well, the time came, so I just struggled with it. Ma, you know, I thank God I've got Tilly, because if I had to steer this boat and do all the other things, too, I'd have my hands full. Mark's vane is a stock design. It's straight out of the plants. I think the thing that makes it so efficient is that it is used on a centerboard boat with a skeg rudder. There's a trim tab on the rudder, and the vane operates around a vertical axis. It's the simplest, most common type of self-steering vane invented. But I believe there's a danger of misusing these devices. Many crews are tempted to use them to avoid keeping a lookout. They let the boat go sailing off blindly in ordinary sailing conditions. In this case, I guess that uh, the vane can bring more danger than it avoids. But in Mark's case, it definitely helped him handle his boat in heavy weather by keeping himself, the crew, strong. As far as we know, he's the only one who's been able to go surfing off headlong down storm seas, just plummeting into the troughs at high speed with nobody steering the thing. And uh, the clouds are moving fast across the sky. Look like they're doing 40 or 50 miles an hour, probably are. I've got uh, the main reef clear down <clears throat> to where the number 17 is uh, rolled up even. All you can see is the little manta. And uh, that's all that's up. We're logging 10 knots. The seas are big. Uh, they're breaking around us. Oh, Jesus Christ. Shh. There went half the stuff in the kitchen. Excuse me. Uh, the boat swings into him every now and then, although Tilly's really doing a pretty good job. Uh, I have the drogue ready, and I may try using it here shortly. Now, the drogue that he refers to there is another aspect of directional control that deserves some attention in this discussion. The tire and bridle drogue is a very simple device. It uses a standard automobile tire with about three feet of heavy chain wrapped around it. And shackled into this chain are two of the boat's own anchor lines, long ones and big strong ones. And the tire is dragged astern by these two lines. The lines lead from the tire up to the boat, up to the stern of the outriggers. 
they lead through big snatch blocks there and up around the winches. Now the tires dragged astern a distance of about one and a half wavelengths, or at least so that when the boat is on the crest of a wave, the tire is in the trough. Now when a crest overtakes the boat and tends to make it want to go zipping off to the right or to the left, out of control, what happens is that the two parts of this bridle are both pulling at once until the boat turns. As it turns, one part of the bridle has to go slack. And the other part is tight now. It's pulling, and it's pulling hard because of the resistance at the tire, which is being pulled through the water at high speed. And so the tight side of the bridle pulls the boat back on course. And with the trimaran, we have an extreme beam that is wider than any other type of vessel. And because of the width of this bridle, or its stance, at the boat, it tends to offer directional control to the boat that is unattainable to any other type of vessel. I think that's why, under threatening conditions, that's one reason why, under threatening conditions, the trimaran is safer than any other kind of boat. Up until the time we received this tape from Mark, all this talk about self-steering and the tire bridle drogue was theory. It was all hypothesis. But now we've got some really concrete information to go by to indicate whether this stuff really works or not. And through this tape, I'm trying to distribute the information. We also have photographs and drawings of the self-steering and the tire bridle drogue. It's now published in our new Sea Runner construction manual. Also on the tape, we've got, a, we've got an answer. Finally, we've got an answer to the perennial question of which is better, to run downwind with the drogue or to heave to. Now for this discussion, let's say that running downwind with the drogue is dragging the tire astern with the stern of the boat facing into the wind and waves. And heaving to refers to heaving to in the trough or lying a hull so that the side of the boat is presented to the wind and the seas. Many times uh, the, uh, the decision between which of these tactics to use depends on sea room and on conditions. But Mark had sea room, at least at the beginning of the storm, and he tried both approaches. And he found that the answer is pretty simple. Before it gets bad or after it's over, you can heave to if you wish, but in the height of the storm, with the waves crashing on deck, you've got to run away from them. This is a last-ditch, zero-hour situation that's seldom encountered in a lifetime of sailing. But if you ever do encounter it, my conclusion is use the bridle and the drogue and a small head sail. This is the way he did it. Oh, we've been learning here. We uh, took down the main and hove two with the drogues out. But uh, for about five minutes, that was about all we could take, which was my theory, although I hadn't tr put it into practice before. Uh, we laid broadside to the big waves, and then they started crashing on deck. So we got out the, the little storm jib, and I put it on the force stay. And uh, the wind's turning. It's coming more from the west now. And so we're sort of on a broad reach with the jib on the force stay till he's taken over again. The drogue and the tire still out, and we're moving along again now. Motion's a lot better. Now he later learned that, given enough wind, the boat would run off ahead of the drogue under bare pull without any sail at all. And incidentally, she'll do this much more willingly if you'll pull up the centerboard. This seems to be one of the major disadvantages to a boat with a deep, fixed keel. Whether it's a multi-hull or a monohull, if you've got a keel down there, she will want to lay in the trough when you want to run downwind. And 
If you've got a keel down there, when she is in the trough, she's more vulnerable to damage by getting smashed from a beam because the keel keeps her from giving with the punches. It keeps her from yielding by sliding sideways when she gets bashed on the beam. So if you're ever taking a licking on the beam and you've got a centerboard, pull it up. But heaving to, beam to seas, in a trimaran is quite a satisfactory solution to heavy weather handling most of the time, especially if the, if the front is passed and the wind and seas are down a bit. But the danger here is letting it go that way too long if conditions are worsening. We hear a lot about trimarans heaving to by dragging a drogue over the beam of the boat. And I think that if the waves are really jumping on board, you're asking for damage that way, or you're asking for capsize. So if it gets bad, go ahead and turn that bridle business around onto the stern of the boat and start to run. Or if you haven't got sea room, what the heck? Get some sail up, strap her down and start driving offshore. Get away from that lee shore. If your boat has something like a centerboard, and it's any good at all to windward, you've got a good chance of saving yourself, even though you're really backed into a corner. But if you, if you can't dig your way out of that hole, if you really are going to get washed up on the beach, go ahead, tire, bridle, and all. Just run right on through the surf. Even if the smallest grain of sand on the beach is about as big around as a football, you've got a good chance of coming away with only minor damage. It's been done in a trimaran. Beaching can be salvation instead of destruction. But most of the time, heaving to is enough. Well, I think you can see what I mean. He's quite a guy, and he's got quite a boat. And I think he, he managed it with amazing ease through that kind of an ordeal. With a family crew and a backyard boat, he visited over 90 islands in the Pacific before he was ever pressed to a point of survival. I think that his tapes can be a very positive inspiration to all of us who are contemplating that kind of an endeavor. If you'd like to hear more of this material, let me know, because I've got hours of it. <laughs> Maybe we can edit it down like this one and make it available. And if anybody says to you that trimarans are no good in heavy weather, tell them about the directional control business with a tire and bridle. And if anybody tells you that self-steering doesn't work, you could say that it can be misused all right, but that you heard of one trip that the skipper called a beautiful trip, even though he had been through a hurricane. That's about it. It's been a beautiful trip, and uh, I guess it's coming to its finish. And one reason that it was beautiful is that he had it under control, under directional control, even though he never had to steer the boat once. He made a tape recording for us instead. Thanks for listening.